my name is Scott. I'm the student pastor here at Hope, and uh, I would seriously, I said this already, but I would love to meet you if I haven't. There's a lot of people I, I haven't met here. So at some point, maybe over a slushy later, I would love to meet you. Hey, let me, this is kind of the portion of Refuge where we uh, open up the Bible and we see maybe what God has to say to us. And so tonight I want to start by saying this. Uh, I believe this with all my heart, is that the way you and I view things, okay, the way we view things changes the way we do things. Some of you have heard me say that before. But the way I see something, the way I view something, changes the way I react to that something. Okay? Let me give you an example. How many people have ever had like that friend or that guy or that girl where like somebody told you they were stupid or somebody told you they were annoying and you like didn't like them and you never even spoke one word to them? Am I just mean? Okay. Where you're like, oh yeah, I don't like that person. Like, oh really? Have you spent time with them? No. I don't need to. Well, do you know them? No. I don't like their tweets. I don't know what you would say. <laughs> Looks like I caught some right here, right? No, but seriously. But, and then maybe you start to get to know them, and you're like, man, this person's actually, like, kind of cool. Like, this person's really, like, awesome, and I, I kind of like them. I'll give you an example from my own life. My whole life, I hated, uh, I hated, hated, hated this nasty substance that I always thought was a nasty substance. Some of you have heard me tell the story before. Uh, called um, Cheese. I hated cheese. Uh, any, any other cheese haters? Other than pizza. Other than pizza. Like, if it was not like pizza, like, I love cheese on pizza. But you talk about cheese, like, I always got tacos, no cheese. Like, cheese was like the devil for me. I know that's weird, but like, my whole life, I hated cheese. Specifically, I hated this type of cheese. It's going to be on the screen. Cream cheese, okay? Filthy. Filthy. Well, there, this is going somewhere, Tim, all right? Listen. I mean, I try to find the nastiest picture. If you go to Refuge for any length of time, you're going to know that I love Google Images, okay? That's just kind of where I, I find love is, is Google Images. I'm like, oh, man, I got to figure out a way to show this. Google Image will tell me how. And so I hated cream cheese. Like, cheese is already gross, and then you cream it or whatever they do to make it cream cheese. And I hated it, hated it, hated it. Uh, so push pause on that for a second. One thing that I loved in my life, like love, love, loved, was cheesecake, Okay? Listen, it's going somewhere, Bela. Just hold on, all right? I loved cheesecake, but I always was confused. I'm like, why do they call such a delectable, awesome dessert anything to do with the nasty substance that is cheese? They have nothing to do with each other. So I thought, and I'm like 16 or 17, okay? I was, I was super sharp, obviously. Um, but one day I'm at my girlfriend's house, which is now my wife, Candace, and I don't know if she made one or her mom made one, uh, but uh, I, somebody made a cheesecake. And so, of course, there I am, just like, ah, rah, rah, nah, nah, nah. you know, I'm just going to town on this cheesecake, and, and I'm like, why do they even call it a cheesecake? And I'm like super just passionate about just devouring this cheesecake. And Candace, in her love and grace, looks at me and like, are you serious? <laughs> and I'm like, nah, 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 yes. She said, it's made with cream cheese. I put the thing down, you know, and I'm like, listen, girl, don't mess with cheesecake, okay? I go on Google because it tells you everything, and so I'm like, what is cheesecake made out of? It's made out of cheesecake. Can you believe that? Okay, I was absolutely... It's made of cream cheese. Sorry, did I say cheesecake? See, it's just on my mind. It's just on my mind, okay? It's made with cream cheese, okay? Amazing cheesecake is made with that 
stuff, okay? And maybe you knew that, maybe you knew that since you were like my son Bryce's age, is three, okay? I was not that sharp, okay? I did not understand it, but here's why I tell you that story, is because I hated cream cheese, Hated it. Don't talk about it, man. Somebody says, do you want, uh, you know, cream cheese on your bagel? I'm like, do you want me to punch you in the face? Of course I don't. Absolutely not. Don't even touch, don't even, don't, can you make it on a totally separate thing, Einstein bagels? Because if it even touches cream cheese, I want anything to do with it. And then I had cheesecake and I found out that cream cheese makes cheesecake. And the way I viewed cream cheese changed the way I viewed uh, cheesecake. And, and it changed the way I lived because I said, wow, if cream cheese is in this delectable, awesome thing. If cream cheese is in it, maybe cream cheese isn't all that bad. Well, here's why I tell you that story. is because I believe with all my heart the way we view things changes the way we do things. Meaning your perspective on things, be that a person or be that something like we're going to talk about tonight in, in, in the God sphere of, of life. The way you see it changes the way you react to it. Here's what I know, especially on an invite night where there's a bunch of people I haven't met before. And I know that all across the room, there are people that have a lot of different views about God. And here's what I believe, and I believe we all can agree on this, is the way we view God, the way we view Jesus, the way we view church will change the way we react to that. It'll change the way we talk about a God. It'll change the way we talk about or react when somebody mentions Jesus. The what we think about when you think about God. Even as I'm saying this, some of you guys are already tracking like, okay, when he says Jesus, here's what I think of. Fill in the blank with whatever's in your brain. Just to give you kind of some background, my story is uh, I got invited to church in something kind of like this. It was, it was kind of like an invite thing. My buddy Kyle, my, my junior high school, I went to basic high school. Anybody basic in the house? Anybody? No. Yes, that's right. Tyler's here. That's awesome. Okay. So I went to basic high school. I grew up in Henderson. And the day after homecoming, my junior year, my buddy Kyle says, hey, come to church with me. And so I said, oh, you know, all right, I'm not really into the whole Jesus thing. I, I, I never went to church in my life. Didn't grow up in church. And uh, he said, man, just come for the music. You'll love the music. I grew up as a musician. I'm in bands and stuff. And so I said, okay, I'll come check out the music. And so I just want to say, if you're here tonight for the music, awesome, okay? That's what I was here for originally. Somebody said the music was cool, and I came to church because the music was cool, and, and then I, I, I fell in love with the Jesus behind it all. But here's why I'm telling you that. I was invited to something that I had a very weird view on. When the pastor guy got up after the cool music and said, uh, let's talk about Jesus, open up the Bible, I had a whole bunch of thoughts that went through my brain. Because the way I viewed God, Jesus, church, Bible, changed the way I lived it. Changed the way I lived as a 16-year-old junior at basic high school. And for everyone in the room, the way you view things changes the way you do it. The way you view all the stuff that we're going to talk about here in the next few minutes will change the way you live. And so what I want to do is I thought it would be fun to kind of look at some different ways we might view God. Everybody in the room has a way, like I said, when I said God, when I said Jesus, you start thinking about things. You start kind of going, okay, that's where I'm going with that, that's where I'm going with that. And so I want to kind of have some fun with what I believe are very common views of God. And then we're going to look at the Bible in the book of 2 Timothy, and we're going to see what the real view is, the view according to the Bible, the view that we know is true. But here's a couple of views that you might track with that, that, uh, that I came up with. The first one is, you don't believe there is a God. That's cool. I'm so glad you're here, but like, before, it's not a way you view God, you just don't believe there is a God. Like, when somebody says, hey, uh, I believe and I worship God, you go, well, you believe, you know, in something fictional. It's like believing in Santa Claus. That's, that's kind of how you think. You, you, you believe in something that isn't real. Maybe you're here tonight. 
And I'm glad you are here. Maybe that's what you think. Second one is this. I'm going to have some pictures because Google Image is awesome. Second one is, uh, we'll call him the Facebook God, okay? Not that he, like, worships Facebook, even though that's what that kind of looks like. Uh, but what I mean by the Facebook God is this. How many people have way more friends on Facebook than you really have in real life? Be honest. Everybody, raise your hand, okay? If you talk to everyone on your Facebook, you don't do anything else but talk to people, okay? I don't know how many I have, but here's the deal. There's people from high school that are adding me as a friend that I'm like, I I don't even know who you are, but it says basic high school, class of 2004, and you're like, I guess we went to high school together, and then I go, decline, because I'm never going to talk to you again. Maybe you do that, okay? I'm a decliner, okay? What's the point of having like a thousand friends when you only talk to 20 or whatever? But anyways, that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but here's what the Facebook God is. It's Facebook God is sort of distant, right? Facebook God is kind of like your friends on Facebook where maybe he's out there, but just like every once in a while, you'll get a message from that person on your birthday, right? We celebrate Christmas. Everyone's into God's birthday. But that's about it, okay? That's kind of like you'll get a message on your birthday. It's like, I don't know who you are. Thank you. Who are you? Why are we friends? You know what I mean? That's kind of this God. Like, it's distant. It's kind of out there. Maybe you believe that God is sort of this distant, far off, and every once in a while you hear about him come Christmas time and talk about his birthday. That's one view you might think of God. He's just kind of far off, distant. Here's the next one. Grandpa God. You guys know Grandpa God. That right there is Grandpa God. This dude is old, can barely walk, right? God, like with his cane. Ah. You know, like he's old, he's decrepit, he is, he's on a cloud, like you can, as if you can sit on a cloud, but he's, he's trying. He's up there, and he's just kind of old, and he, he gives you wisdom, and he talks really, oh. And we think God is some sort of like cosmic old man. And again, you would never say that. You would never say, yes, I believe God is this, and this is what you're going to put on your Facebook profile as the person you worship. But in your brain, you think that's probably what God is like. Here's the next one. Scorekeeper God. That's scorekeeper God. Scorekeeper God has a huge, 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 huge chalkboard or tally system. And he's kind of looking at your life and he's trying to say, okay, you did something bad there. Check. You did something good there. Good job. Check. You did something bad there. You kicked that lady in the face or something. And and not that anyone kicks anybody in the face, but maybe you, you did that. Okay. Check that. Or, 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 okay. Now you, uh, you went and served the poor. I'm going to give you a check here. And he's kind of following you around. Sometimes we think God is sort of the scorekeeper that tries to keep us in check. And then we're going to get up to heaven one day and meet God face to face. He's going to open up this big book and be like, okay, here's what you did. That was bad. Here's what you did. That was kind of good. Let's see if they cancel each other out so you can get into heaven. Again, we would never say that. But teenagers and a lot of people that aren't teenagers, they're older than teenagers, they think that. That there's just sort of, if I can outweigh the bad in my life, the scorekeeper God might let me in one day. This one's fun. Doomsday God. I pulled up a picture of Zeus because that's massively awesome, okay? That's Zeus holding a a, a lightning bolt. Some of us think that's God, that God is just kind of waiting to see if you mess up. And he's kind of this mean, every every you know, tragedy you hear about, that's just God's judgment and God's judgment, judge, 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 judge. That's kind of God is he's a big meanie. We would never say that, but some of us think God's a big meanie kind of watching my steps and I hope I don't stand on a landmine and God's mad at me forever. And some of us get into that lie when we do something wrong and we messed up big time, but man, God probably doesn't like me anymore. This doomsday God. Here's the last one. This is my favorite. Stained glass God. Now, I didn't pull up an actual stained glass picture, but look at Jesus with his Pantene Pro V hair. You guys like that? He's holding the world, by the way. It's like a globe, you know? 
But some of us think God is that way, and here's how we talk to God. If we talk to God, we, we talk, or Thanksgiving, all of us pray on Thanksgiving. You know, that's like the one meal you pray over at Christmas. And we like go, and they're like, oh, would you pray? And like, <clears throat> thou fatherest me, thou thy kingdom come. And your family's like, what did you just say? And like, I don't even know. And we think that when we talk about God, he is super high, mighty. We can't, we can't approach him. He's kind of like the stained glass, weird Pantene Pro-V God that we see right here. And we got to talk to him. We got to know all the right words to say. Some of you guys might think the Facebook God is what God's like. Or some of you guys might think he's an old man or he's a scorekeeper or he's waiting to throw something at you that will ruin your life. Or he's waiting for you to approach him in a way that is perfect before he'll do anything in your life. Here's what I want to say, and we're going to talk about 2 Timothy here in a minute. We're going to get to uh, some, the text in the Bible. But here's what I believe and here's what I know is true in my own life. Those views of God, and maybe some are crisscrossed in your brain, but some of us are tracking with those views of God, and here's what we know. Here's what I know from my own life, is that is the cream cheese tonight, all right? That is the thing where you think it's gross, you don't want anything to do with it, you can't believe that people actually spend time worshiping or being a part of anything having to do with those types of gods, that's the cream cheese tonight. And what we want to do is we want to open up the Bible and we want to say, okay, what is the, the, the truth what is the, the, the cheesecake, if you will, that says, okay, how, how are you really God? Because the way we view God changes the way we talk about God and we think about God and we interact with God. And some of you guys think God is nothing worth anything tonight. And we want to look at something that hopefully will change your mind. Because here's what we know. And a lot of people in the room could testify to this. God is awesome. God loves every person in this room, whether you care about him or not. I believe God has something to say to every single person in this room tonight. I believe that you are here not by accident, but that somebody invited you or you just decided to get up and go to church because you got a text message from Refuge. But you're here tonight because God has something awesome he wants to tell you. He wants to tell you, hey, I'm not those gods. I'm much, much more awesome, and I want to do something in your life. So what I want to do is I want to read a passage of the uh, the Bible. It's going to be on the screen. But for the last couple weeks, we've been in uh, a book of the Bible called 2 Timothy. And we're just going verse by verse through chapter one right now. And then we're going to take a break and we're going to jump into chapter two later on in the year. Uh, we're just kind of taking this book and saying, okay, what, what do you have to say to us, God? And here's what you got to know about this book if you're new tonight. Is that it's written by a guy named Paul and he's in prison. Okay, this guy's writing this book while he is in prison. And here's what we know is that scholars tell us this is the last book this guy Paul wrote. So he wrote this book. To a guy named Timothy, that's why it's called 2 Timothy, because there was a first book he wrote called 1 Timothy, a letter to him, and this is the second letter to Timothy. And and here's what we know is that it is his last letter, basically his dying words. If you've ever sat next to somebody at a hospital bed, it's crazy. You pretty much hang on every word they say because you know this is it. Like they're about to leave this earth. And so that's the the book of 2 Timothy, and we're going to start in verse 9 tonight. Each verse is going to be on the screen separately. Here's what First Timothy or Second Timothy chapter one verse nine says, nine through eleven. He, that's Jesus, has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Verse ten. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus 
who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We're going to explain all this in just a minute. Verse 11. And this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. In these verses, this guy Paul is basically telling Timothy some really awesome, good stuff. But here's what I know is when I first went to church that one day in October of 2002, which makes me really old, I know. But in October of 2002, when I first sat in church, when somebody would have read something like that, it had words like saved us and grace and savior and destroyed death and has brought life and gospel. I would have been like, dude, what is this guy talking about? Maybe some of you guys are there tonight. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of unpack why, what do we need saving from? Why do we need grace? Why do we need a savior? How does this savior destroy death and bring life? And what on earth is the gospel? That's a word you've heard, I'm sure. What is the gospel? What, what, what does that word mean? So that's the, the passage we're going to be in. And, and to do that, what I want, really want to do is just kind of give us kind of a, a quick little history lesson of the Bible. If you ever wonder what the Bible is about, I'm going to give it to you in about five minutes, all right? In the beginning, first page. I'm not going to read every page, don't worry. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you open up your Bible for the very first time, some of you guys have done this. It's like, okay, the first book is called Genesis. That sounds fun. And the first chapter, the first verse says the creation. Okay, I'll start there. It's in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Here's what we know and we believe is that God created everything we can see, everything we taste, everything we touch. God created it all. Years ago, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all the animals, the plants, the world that we live in, the universe. He created people. And the first couple chapters are really about God creating and he eventually creates these two people. Does anyone know their names? Come on. Thank you. Thank you, bud. Adam and Eve. Okay. First two people, husband and wife, Adam and Eve. And he sets them in this garden. And here's what God says in the first few chapters of the Bible. And then we're going to fast forward a lot through the most of the rest of it. In the first few chapters of the Bible, God says this. Hey, I got an awesome plan for you. Here's my plan. You're going to hang out in this garden and your life is going to be awesome. And you're going to have fellowship with me. And it's going to be incredible. And, and, and you don't want to miss out what I ha- on what I have for you. And they say, awesome, cool. And so we don't know how long, but for however long, God and these two people, Adam and Eve, are hanging out with God. And it's good. It's awesome. But there was a, another person on the scene who, who we know is Satan, is a deceiver. And here's what he told them. Yeah, God's plan is not that perfect for you. And in Genesis chapter 3, something humongous happens that you and I still deal with today, and that's why I'm talking about it. It's because in Genesis chapter 3, a train wreck happens. And these two people disobey what God said in this awesome, great, awesome, glorious plan that he laid out. And he, they say, hey, we want to go this way. I know you told us to do that, God, but we want to go here. And if you have more questions on this, just read it and then talk to somebody who, who looks in a, like an adult. We would love to explain it further. But that's, that's the gist of it, that, that God said, I have a plan for you, and it's perfect. And in Genesis chapter 3, only three chapters into the whole deal, they say, no, we want this. We would rather this, God. I know you're perfect, awesome, but we would rather this. And here's what we know out of that is that something that we can't really explain kind of landed on the planet. It's called sin. It's called the fall. It's called something is wrong with us. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian in here tonight or not, but uh, everybody can agree there's something wrong with us. Like when you first 
are born, there's something that kind of makes you automatically go wrong and do bad and disobey your parents. I got two little kids and I didn't have to teach them to disobey me. They just do automatically. And you did too to your parents. And sometimes Christian or not, you'll just do things and be like, why did I do that? That was not the best thing for my life. That was not what I should have done. And we trace it all the way back to Genesis chapter three. And we say, Hey, something happened that we can't fully explain, but a curse hit this planet. And every person born after that is cursed with it. That's heavy stuff. I understand. We're going to get to some good parts here in a minute. Okay. But here's what we know is that the Bible says that there's this separation that happened from that point on. And from that point on, there's this huge colossal separation between us and God. And so tonight, just kind of give you some, some bullet points here that I want you to latch on to. If you don't remember anything but pizza, slushies, and these three things, you'll be good. Okay. Don't miss these points. The first point out of the first little history lesson is this. You are born separated from God. Nobody's like, hey, I wasn't. No, we all are born separated from God because of what we see in Genesis chapter 3, that something went massively wrong. So then here's what the rest of the Bible is. For the next three quarters of the Bible, what they call the Old Testament, God is saying, hey, I want to fix this. Something went massively wrong in Genesis chapter 3 with these people that has now cursed every person to ever walk the planet. Something went wrong and I want to fix it. So for the next three quarters of the Bible, here's what God does. He is preparing a way to fix it. Because he's awesome. He's not like Facebook God or Grandpa God or, 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 or Scorekeeper God. He's saying, no, I want my people to be right with me. And so he puts this plan together to bring this perfect person to make it right. Because as you read the Bible, you know, that three quarters I was talking about, that Old Testament, here's what we know, to make it right, to, 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 to make the divide not there anymore, you needed somebody to die. You needed a perfect person to die, and we all just said we aren't perfect people. So nobody like us could have said, hey, I'll do it, I'll volunteer, I'll, I'll take on the sin of the world for everybody. No, because we're not perfect. So we needed somebody who was perfect. And then a couple thousand years into the story, Jesus Christ is born. And here's what we know is Jesus is the son of God. That he said, hey, I, I'm perfect. I'm God. I'll step into the story. They don't deserve it, but I'm not like Facebook God and scorekeeper God and grandpa God. I, I want to step into this story and I want to fix this. Don't miss point number two is this. God made a way. There's this huge separation between us and God. We are born separated from God. Hey, point number two. God made a way. Jesus died on a cross, the death that we should have died, separated from God for our sin. Here's what we know from the Bible is that that was the sacrifice that was necessary for you and I to be right with God. You've heard the story. If you haven't, you're going to hear it in a few weeks with Easter because he didn't stay dead. Three days after he died, he, he was resurrected. He rose again. And why that's a big deal is because if Jesus is dead, he's not much of a savior. Like, what are you saving us from? You died and that's it. You're gone. But Jesus came back to life and said, this is proof that the payment was accepted. This is proof that, that I am who I said I was. This is proof that you can be, have life in me. It says it best in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It's not going to be on the screen, but listen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says this. He, which is God, made him, which is Jesus who knew no sin, remember he's perfect, to be sin on our behalf so that we might be, become the righteousness of God 
in him. Recap. Train wreck happens in verse 3. Or in chapter 3 of the Bible. The next three quarters of the Bible is God saying, I'm going to make this right. Jesus comes, died to death. We should have died to make a way. And here's the best part. And then he says, hey, this movement starts where people say, this Jesus is worth our lives. This Jesus is the real deal. This Jesus who started this movement that said, hey, this is what you were created for. Follow me. 2,000 years later, here's why we're meeting. 2,000 years later, there's a church... And churches all over the world, churches all over the globe, that, that that's what we're meeting around is that Jesus is alive and he's invited you and I into a relationship. That's the last step. Last point, don't miss this. Not only is there, are you born separate from God, not only did God make a way, but God is inviting you into a relationship. You hear I didn't say God's inviting you to come to church every week. God's inviting you to be a part of a a religion that gets a bunch of stuff wrong. God is not inviting you to make sure you give a certain amount at this church. Maybe the bad things you've heard about church and religion. Here's what he's inviting you into. What you and I were created for originally, but a train wreck happened. So that's why Timothy writes to Paul, or Paul writes to Timothy. And he says words like, saved us. Grace, Savior, destroyed death and brought life, immortality to light through the gospel. Here's what the word gospel means. Did you ever hear that? Put gospel equals good news. Because here's the deal. Everything we just talked about, that's bad news. That you and I are born into this world separate from God. That's bad news. There's nothing we could do to make ourselves good enough for God. The good news is, Jesus says you don't have to. So in verse 9, when Paul says, he has saved us. Saved us from what? Saved us from a life separated from him. Eternity separated from him. Timothy, I'm letting you know, he has saved us by his own purpose and grace. Here's why, here's why I love that part. Is God pursues us. I said earlier, I don't believe anybody in this room, myself included, is here by coincidence. Sometimes I often think, what if Kyle never invited me to church? Listen, I know God's sovereign. God would have got a hold of me somehow. But here's what I know. For eight months, I sat in the back of a church and listened to a preacher guy talk about the Bible. And I just listened. And I listened. And finally, one day, God said, Scott, stop listening and accept it. I made you for a relationship. Jump in, both feet, all in. What if Kyle never invited me? I believe God would have got a hold of me somehow. But by his own purpose and grace, I believe you're here tonight. He goes on to say that he has destroyed death. The world sometimes, and you guys know this, I know this, it's horrible. Stuff happens to you that you don't deserve. You carry weight and burdens that you were never designed to carry. Some of you 12, 13, 14-year-old people are carrying weights and sins and things that have happened to you and things that you've done to other people that are destroying your lives. And that's why he's saying, hey, he destroyed that. Why? Because he says, hey, invite you into a relationship. I want to carry those things for you. You were not made to carry them by yourself. So the Bible calls it a helper. As believers, we have a helper. I don't have to carry all my junk. I don't have to carry all my baggage. I don't have to carry all the wrong things I've done, the things that have been done wrong to me. Jesus says, I died for all that. Paul was reminding Timothy about good news. 
here's the deal. If you're not a Christian tonight, you're living in the reality of the bad news. The bad news is your life. Man, I'm separated from God. But there's good news. God didn't create you to be separated from him. God created you for a relationship. And so that's why it's good news. It's because right now you're living in the reality of, yeah, that's me, man. I carry all this stuff. This stuff happens to me. I don't understand. There's stuff in this world that I, don't, I, I scratch my head and say, why is that happening? And God says, there's good news. If you're a Christian tonight, the good news never gets old. Like you woke up this morning saved by Jesus. That's good news. You don't have to carry all that stuff. You have a helper in you and wants to live his life through you. That's good news. If you're a Christian, good news. If you're not a Christian, there's good news. You were born separated from God. But God made a way. And God is saying, stop running. Jump into the relationship that I created you for. I'm going to invite the band to go and come up. Here's what I want us to do. I just want all of us to to think about this for a minute. Because again, we all have different views of what God's like. Every person in the room thinks God is, is this way or that way. And maybe some of them are the, what I had on the screen. Maybe it's a mix of both. But here's my story. I was born separated from God. I didn't know that. But when somebody started talking about what it means to be separated from God, I said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. That's my life. And they said, hey, but God made a way. And there's good news tonight. If you're here tonight and you do not have a relationship with God, through Jesus, the Savior that Paul was talking about in 2 Timothy, you are living in the reality of very serious bad news. But tonight, you got to hear the good news. That's not what you were made for. Jesus did for you what you could never do of yourself because you're not perfect. Neither am I. Jesus made a way for you and I to be in a relationship that we were created to be in. I believe there are people in this room right now that God has been passionately pursuing. You might not know it, but God has been in your life, orchestrating things in your life, maybe for this moment, maybe for a moment to come down the road. Because again, I didn't give my life to Jesus. I didn't say yes to God the first time I walked in church. But here's what I know. I did eventually because he got a hold of me because he was passionately pursuing me. And here's what I know tonight. God's doing that in some of your lives. And all you might have to do tonight is stop running and turn around and say yes. Man, I knew there was something else that I was made for than carrying this garbage that I carry and going into this house. The stuff happens to me that I don't understand all the time. I knew there had to be more to this life. God is passionately pursuing you. Maybe tonight your step is stop running. Maybe for the first time ever, talk to God right now. You don't, have to, you don't have to say thee and thou and all these words to stay in glass, God. Talk to him like your friend. Talk to him like your mom. Talk to him like your dad. Say, hey, here's what's going on in my heart right now. Some of us have never done that because we thought we had to conjure up some sort of language or some cool phrase to say to some God because he was too perfect for us. 
The Bible says that through Jesus, you and I can boldly approach the throne. Here's what that means. We can come just as we are and say, God, here's what's going on in my life. Nine years ago at a camp, in between my junior and senior year, I gave my life to Jesus. Here's what that means. I stopped running. Nine years later, I can tell you it is absolutely the best, most rewarding, fulfilling, satisfying thing I've ever done in my life because I actually started a life that I was meant to start. I actually started living a life that God planned out for me before eternity. This is what you were made for, Scott. Some of you guys are in that place right now.